Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my death to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my Lord, I lift your name on high. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Father in heaven, we come before you, and Lord, it is such a blessing to be able to come with our brothers and sisters in Christ to worship you. And I pray that it would be your spirit that moves in our midst and draws us nearer to you, brings to our remembrance the things that we have learned of you, that we might be shaped and formed to the image you would have us to be. We thank you, Lord, in Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Thank you. 
for being here this morning. I would love for you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 24 through 30. Title of my message this morning is Putting on the New Man. Putting on the New Man. This morning's message is really going to be about spiritual growth. You and I that have received Jesus Christ as our Savior, as is often mentioned, should never be stunted staying the same. It should be that we are growing, progressing in our spiritual walk. During the Bible hour this morning, uh, we have every Sunday morning from 9.30 to 9.45, we have uh, the Bible hour. We call it the Bible hour. It's Sunday school for all ages, uh, including adults. Right now we have my adult class. Sandra Joe teaches a class for ladies and 
John is teaching teens up above, and then of course we have children's Sunday school class too. But this morning we were talking about progressive sanctification, and that's just a theological term that really connects us to God changing us. Um, there's, there's positional sanctification that happens when we receive Christ as our Savior. We're born again, sanctified by God forevermore. But progressive sanctification is when we, every day, are coming to God and He's helping us to deal with life. And each day we progress, we ask Him to forgive our sins, we work with Him and He works with us to help us grow. Well, this morning, putting on the new man comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 on down. I'm actually going to pick up reading about verse 22. Because it is about you and I, when we receive Christ, Jesus says we are born again. Old things pass away, all things become new. We become a new person in Jesus Christ. And as a newborn babe... As a new person, we then have to mature. So listen as I read this text, because we're going to go down through this text. And my goal this morning is for you and I together to learn to grow, to put on that new man and grow. Listen as I pick it up at verse 22, and we're going to read right down to the end of the chapter. That ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his, with his neighbor, for, are met, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that, that stole, steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to them that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Wow, that last verse, I'm going to read it to you again, because I want you to hear how God wants us to grow as the new person in Christ. Listen again to what he says in verse 32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Wow. In other words, God's saying the standard for our kindness and forgiveness is the kindness and forgiveness God has for us. That's a high standard, isn't it? If you're anything like me, God has been pretty good to you. 
He's pretty patient with you. He's long-suffering with you. He's forgiving of you. And when you look at that as a standard in your life, then it, it helps us to understand what God is wanting from us. But I want us to come down through this text, and I want you and I to see the walk that God has called us to when we put on that new person in the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was a little boy, I never remember going to a store and seeing little kids in costumes, other than Halloween. But I never saw kids in, in princess dresses just on an average day. I don't ever remember seeing kids in Superman or, or Captain America costumes on an average day. But now, you can go to Kenny Drugs and see a girl in a princess dress. You can see a little boy in a Superman outfit or, you know, they might have Captain America outfit on anywhere, anytime. So we understand the concept. Uh, in fact, the other day I was, I was cashing out at Walmart. I was buying supplies for the church and I was loading all the stuff on the, on the conveyor and there was a little boy in a Superman content, co costume. And I looked at him, I said, why am I working so hard when you could do this just like that? <laughs> he was about six years old. He looked at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he was so used to being Superman, he didn't even think about being Superman. But you and I, the Bible says that through Jesus Christ, we put on a new man, a new person, new woman, new child. Old things pass away. We become a new person in Christ. And he starts building in this text from verse 25 down the walk that we should walk as a new person in the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, he starts talking to you and I about truthfulness. And sometimes people think the Bible is just so deep and mysterious that it's not relevant to life. But let me ask, just kind of by a raise of hands, how many of you think lying today is a relevant subject? Almost, uh, it looks like quite a few of you. So a number of you never hear people lie on TV or on the news. You, you don't ever hear people lie in the neighborhood, the community. Uh, you've never had a kid tell you, I didn't do it when you know they did. <laughs> lying is relevant to every generation. Listen to what he says to us in verse 25. He says, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. It reminds me that John chapter 8 verse 44 in the New Testament tells us that Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. It reminds us that as long as the devil exists, there will be lying. And God says to you and I as Christians, he says, resist that, lay it aside, flee that sin which so easily besets you, put lying out of your life. It's part of spiritual growth. It's part of the Christian walk, learning not to lie. It's an interesting text back in Psalms. Look with me if you would to Psalm 120. Here we find the psalmist dealing with his struggle with lying. Listen to what he says. Psalm 120, verses 1 down through 3. 
In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Here he's struggling with this tongue of lying and deceit. He says, what's going to happen? I'm going to be stabbed and burned by the lying tongue I possess. And he asked God, God, spare me from it. Help me to deal with it. And you and I in our Christian lives, whatever your struggle is, maybe it's not lying. Maybe it's who knows what. You have to learn to reach out to God like the psalmist and saying, here I am, Lord. This is my battle. This is my struggle. I need you to help me overcome. That's part of walking and growing here. He's addressing truthfulness, honesty. It should be the mark of a Christian. You and I should be known as honest, truthful people. Look as we come down into verses 26 and 27. As he continues to talk about this growing and maturing in our lives. Listen to what he says in verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Here he's talking to you about that we must walk without sinful anger. Anger is an odd thing. It, it's, it's kind of like an old-fashioned musket. If you envision back before the flint musket, which went ahead and sparked a spark with a piece of flint in the flash pan. Instead, think back before then. If you've ever seen the pilgrims, well, you haven't seen them personally, I know. <laughs> but you see them with that old blunderbust with the big open barrel. And, you know, on the back was this little burning wick. Now, personally, I think this has got to be the scariest weapon ever made by mankind. But it's what they knew then. And that little burning wick, when they pulled the trigger, that wick would come down into the flash pan and, and maybe that blunderbuster would go off. But anger is kind of like that burning wick. Have you ever noticed that in people's lives? It's just glowing and burning and smoldering. And when they pull the trigger, there's an angry explosion. And God says, no, 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 wait. That is not what a Christian is supposed to be. You and I may get angry about things and things come into life that make us all angry. Anger is a part of life. But that explosion is not. So he says, be angry and sin not. In other words, we're not supposed to be that, that unreasonable, impatient, selfish, tantrum-throwing, jealous, angry person. We're supposed to be that person who brings our anger to the Lord or talks out our anger with a person who is easily entreated, the Bible says. That means easy to talk through and work things out that's what we're supposed to be as Christians. We should not be that blunderbust 
who's just waiting to load everybody with lead. He says, be angry, but sin not. Our walk should be with temperance, self-control. Let's look down a little bit farther in our text. And although I, I do want to take just a moment because I want you to notice verse 27. Verse 26 and 27 are connected. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. See, sometimes when we're angry, we're giving a place to the devil. We're inviting the devil to come in and sit down with us. Instead of dismissing him, we're embracing him. We go ahead and we, we let that anger stew and fester. And we're just, come on in here, sit a little closer to me, devil. And God says, dismiss the devil. Don't give him a place. Let it go. It's kind of like that song my little granddaughter sings. The whole, let it go song. You know, let the devil go his way. Put your anger aside. You know, every once in a while people say to you, well, just sleep on it. God says, no, deal with it. Don't let the sun set on it. Deal with it. So I needed to go back and just camp there for a moment. Let's move on. Let's move down here into verse 28, if you would, with me. Look with me and see how that we must walk in the realm of honest labor. This is really so relevant to life, isn't it? The Bible is relevant. Listen to what he goes on to say here in verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. How many of you think that stealing is relevant to the day that you're living in today? I just saw the other, just, I think it was last night. They, they brought on the news and they were showing these guys who went into some big jewelry store. They're busting out all the jewelry cases, scooping up the jewels, and they're running out. And this was in America. It was right down in California. Listen, stealing goes on all around us. Uh, our church bus, if you notice on the front of our church van and bus, I have a placard there that says that we have a security company who watches those. You know why? Because here a little while ago, somebody went in and cut out from underneath our van, the catalytic converter. They decided they needed it more than the church. Well, we had to replace that to a tune of 500 something dollars. But then somebody else went in and cut the filler hose on the church uh, bus so that they could siphon out the diesel fuel in the bus. See, they needed the diesel fuel more than your boys and girls needed to go to camp. Stealing is very relevant to every generation because there's evil in the hearts of people. So listen to what he says to you and I as Christians. He says, let him that stole steal no more. We actually have video cameras on those so that if somebody does that again, we're going to read we're going to recognize, and we would prosecute. Well, Pastor, that sounds so harsh. You're absolutely right. Our uh, Miss Rachel Boyce, she drove the bus down to refuel it. She put the nozzle in, and do you know she dumped fuel all over the ground because those people had cut that hose off. So do I think they should not have done that? Bet your life. 
Because that, that was a risk to her. It was risks to other people. So would I prosecute? You bet. I'll call. I'll call Mr. Mike right here. He's sheriff department. I'll call him and say, Deputy Mike, Pastor Tim, we got him. You're on the camera. Look at what he goes on to say here. He says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him. And what's that word? What's another word for labor? Work. work. Let him work. It doesn't matter whether you're a rocket scientist, whether you're a school teacher, whether you're a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't matter what you do in life. We should all do it well as unto the Lord. We should do our job. Amen? Amen. That's something we need to teach this generation. Every generation. Doesn't matter. People have a tendency to say, oh, everybody's lazy this generation. Listen, it is in the nature of human beings to be lazy. We have to teach them to get up and get going and be motivated. And here God is saying to you and I as Christians, he's saying, let him that steal no more, but rather let him work, let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Isn't that so interesting? He says, you and I in our Christian walk, we should learn to work, do that which is good in our work, so that we can help others who can't work. Now, there's a difference between helping those who won't work and those who can't work. I am never for enabling people to not work. If they can work, they should work. In fact, years ago, we can't do this anymore, but years ago, when people would call and they would say, you know, I, I need help. I, can, you, can you help me buy a tank of gas or whatever? I'd say, sure, come on up, I'll have your rake leaves and I'll give you gas money. Can't do that anymore because of liability and all of that kind of stuff. But absolutely, I so believe in that principle. I, I practiced that from the time I was first in the ministry. Because the Bible principle is, if you don't work, look at what he goes on to say here. Because I want you to see it. I didn't make it up. This is real. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give the him, to him that needeth. You and I need to teach others to work hard so that they can give to others. But I want you to see something else with me too. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Because this is not the only place where the Bible talks to us about work. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, look with me at verse 10 on down. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which watch, walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. This is a biblical principle. You and I in our walk in life, you and I as new creatures in Christ, if you won't work but you can, 
then you should. That's a biblical principle. And you and I that can work, we should help those who can't. That's a biblical principle. He's teaching us these things. These are values that help us as we mature as a person and a people. We as a people will be better if we take these biblical principles and apply them in our lives. I want you to go down with me, if you would, to verse 29 in our text. As we talk about putting on the new man, as we talk about walking and growing and maturing in our faith, look at verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. There's a lot of progression in that verse. It's progressive teaching. It's building one upon another. So he gives us, he gives us the negative. He gives us the don't. There's a lot of people who say the Bible is negative. It does touch on some very negative things. But it gives us positive answers. That's why I love it so much. Yeah, it tells me I should knock it off when I'm doing something I'm, that's wrong. But it tells me what to do that's right. So listen. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. So... What is corrupt communication? Swearing, lying, filthy or dirty talk, that which is corrupt. Last night I was getting ready to make Sandra Joe and I an omelet. And I had a piece of ham, we had some corn on the cob, Sandy wanted corn and cheese omelet, I wanted ham, onion, and green pepper. Or yellow pepper is okay too. So I was cutting stuff up and I went in the fridge and I got the yellow, there was a little section of yellow pepper, but I, I looked at that, it was in a little Ziploc baggie. And this baby's has never happened to you. But it was supposed to be yellow, but it had odd colors on it. And you know, my my frugal New Englandness thinks, can I trim that off? <laughs> no. Thank you, Kathy. I did the right thing. I threw it away. You know why I threw it away? It was corrupt. And maybe even if I had trimmed off a little, I think the rest probably would have been pretty close to corrupt that it would have been better for me to not eat it. We understand the concept of corrupt, don't we? And here he tells us, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now he's going to build on all the positive things we can do. Yes, he's teaching us to take away the negative. But he's going to give us all the positive. He says, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The words you use as a new believer, as a child of God, as a new creation, old man passing away, all things becoming new. You and I that are Christians get rid of the corruption and start using good words. Good words. 
Do you know we start teaching them in preschool to use good words? In fact, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge that's gotten a little bit worse as the years go by. Believe it or not, we have three-year-olds that can curse like a sailor. And when they start that on the playground, Miss Rachel and uh, Miss, uh, Miss Jessie, I, I don't know if they're sitting in here, I can't see, out, out, out there in John Junior Church, they stop them. Yep, you're right. They use that word. It's not a curse word. No. It's two letters. No. No. No, sweetie. We do not, no, no, we do not use that language here. We don't use that word. That's a bad word. We don't use that word. And of course, that little three-year-old is like, what? I hear that every day in my life. I was born here in that word. Yeah, but here, that's not what we do. And so they progressively teach that little person to shift from corrupt words to good words. And if a three-year-old can do it, you can too. I promise. If you practice, all of a sudden when that corruption starts coming out, it's kind of like horribly bad breath. You just stop. <laughs> Spritz it. Make it good. Look at what he goes on to say, though. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, and then he's going to build. He's going to say, to the use of edifying. The word edification simply means to lift up, to encourage. So all of a sudden he's saying, you and I, our words one to another should be positive and encouraging. Good and encouraging. That doesn't mean that we never use corrective words or instructive words. He's saying we don't use corrupt words. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say you need to change the way you do that. It's okay to correct, but it doesn't have to be with blue smoke coming off of it. Or my little yellow pepper with mold. So he tells us, he says, listen, that which proceeds out of your mouth should be good. It should be edifying. And then listen to the third one. That it may minister grace. Every one of us in this room, you're a minister. I'm not the only minister in here. He's talking to all of us here, not just me. He's saying that you should be ministering to your children. You should be ministering to your spouse. You should be ministering to your co-workers. You should be ministering to that person who cuts you off in traffic. Uh-oh. I'm meddling now, aren't I? Learn to minister to people. Even when it's hard. Even when it's difficult. He says, come on. We're growing, remember? We're not babies. We're maturing, and part of maturing is self-control and learning to control this. So he says, reel it in, start to use that for good, for edification, and as a tool of ministry. Let's look at the last thing. As we come down to verses 30 on down, he says, 
and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking put away from you with all malice. Isn't it interesting that he comes and he re-hits on verse 29. You remember he said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Here he's going to revisit it. Let all bitterness, wrath. In fact, he's even clicking back to the anger part, isn't he? He's tying anger. He's tying communication all together. And he says, that grieves the spirit when those things are out of control in your life. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking put away from you with all malice. So let me let me give you let me give you something here. Say 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 your best friend calls you up, says to you, I'm gonna pick on Hannah because she's on the front row, second to the front. It's good enough for me. She's sitting right here. Say her best friend calls her. I mean that has a head of steam, starts venting bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, argumentative, evil speaking, saying bad and evil things. What should her response be? Well, it says here, put away from you with all malice. So that person calls up, they're just spewing hate and anger and spewing all kinds of evil stuff, just they just have nothing good to say. He says, shut it down. Shut it down. Put it away from you. You just say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wow. Why are you telling me this? Can I change your world? No. I can't change your world. Why are you dumping all this anger, hate, malice, bitterness on me? I don't want all that corrupt. I don't want that. Years and years ago, I remember somebody got really mad about paying their taxes. And they went to the town office, wasn't here, can't remember where it was, and they dumped a whole garbage truck load of garbage on the front steps of the town hall. Now, what was the response? Did the town come out and say, Oh, I'm so glad you brought that by. I really want to help you with that. Let us, let us get some town people. They'll, they'll gather that up for you. They'll help you with all that. Let us help you with all that garbage. Absolutely not. The town said, what do you think you're doing? You will pay to have this removed. You, if you're so out of control, you're going to dump your garbage on me. You can't do that. And in all of our lives, he tells us, he says, there's some things you just have to shut down. You have to put them away from you. And when people dump on you all their bitterness, anger, all their clamoring, all their carrying on, you just say, stop, whoa, I, I don't want to hear that. I've had people call me and say, I'm so upset. So-and-so called me and they just... They told me all this stuff, I can't sleep, I can't. Listen, you just gotta shut it off. You gotta learn to say, please don't, I, 
We need to stop right here. I don't want to hear it. There's value in that, in your life and in mine. Now, I'm a pastor, so I am going to listen, and I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to try to solve, and I'm going to try to help in every way I can. But if you can't solve it, and you can't help it, they just backed up and dumped all their corruption in your yard, because you can't fix their problem. So listen to what he says to us, because he ties the anger, he ties the corrupt communication, all together as he comes down to verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice. And be what? Remember how I said, I love the Bible. It gives you positives. But be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So let me give you an illustration and then we're going to wrap it up. Say, say your sister calls you and she says to you, you won't believe what my husband did this morning. You're not going to believe it. And she just rails on this guy. Or vice versa. The husband calls his buddy, says, Man, Butch, you're not going to believe what she did this morning. <laughs> just starts raking her over the coals. Then you just say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. You remember I'm a Christian, right? Yeah. <laughs> Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, I am telling you, because I, I am a pastor, and I've gotten plenty of calls. When you start telling people they need to change from that to being kind, forgiving, and tenderhearted, it really shuts it down. Because they have built a head of steam. They're ready for you to jump on the train. They're ready to go ahead and kick and stomp and carry on. And all of a sudden, you've poured water on it. And they're like, but you don't understand. No, I do understand. But I can't change it. And you're making me feel really bad. So let's change the conversation to something that's tenderhearted, forgiving, kind. Because you know what? God's been so good to us. He forgives me every day. He's tender-hearted and kind to me every day, even when I don't deserve it. That will shut it down. But I do have to warn you, they will stop calling you to do that. So if you enjoy it, that's going to stop. Because they're going to learn you didn't open the bag. You didn't say, fill it up, buddy. You said, Let's just put kind and tender-hearted and forgiving in here. So you will lose a friend, lose a call, lose a communicator. Because folks who love to leave that at your doorstep, they don't want to hear about turning it around. But when you look at this text, 
you find that God wants us to grow and mature as individuals. When Sandy and I got married many years ago, she married a New Englander. And she is a Texan. I think she's hiding back there. I see her. Do you understand for even a moment the cultural difference between Texas and Massachusetts? It's huge. But we got married. And you know, we talked a lot. We still talk a lot. And one of the things we talked about is we're just not going to get on the phone and call home. We're not leaving home. You know, we're not leaving. I'm not leaving her to go home and sit at the coffee table with my mom and say, you won't believe that Texas girl, what she did. <laughs> and neither did she ever in all the time, all those newlywed years. Now I send her home. But right <laughs> But all those early years, never did Sandra Joe say to me, I'm packing the car, going home. No, we made a pact. Let's talk it through. Let's be kind. Let's be forgiving. Why? Because we're husband and wife. We chose each other. We're married. Well, you know what? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're a church family. But you know what? Even beyond that, we're part of a community, a country, a world. It should be that we learn. We don't need to be stealing from each other. We don't need to be lying to each other. We don't need to be filthy in our communication. We need to be people who learn to do good, edify, minister, be positive. Doesn't mean that you don't instruct and help and teach. Doesn't mean you don't reprimand and all of that. You do. That's the balance of life. But you don't have to do it in a negative way. Father, I pray that you be with us as we go forth. Help us to grow up as Christians. For truly, Lord, we want to put on the new man. We want to honor you in our lives. We want to do that which is good, that which is edifying, that which is ministry. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise, and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe in veils we lull, and all our strength be hurled. Faith is a victory. That over